Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can find us online at sknr.net, where we cover all things movies, games, television, hardware, pop culture, travel, entertainment, and more. You can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, where you'll see our game reviews in 12 papers covering 21 markets. And we also have Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine, which is available at Barnes & Noble and other outlets. We just put out our recent issue with Back for Blood on the cover. And, of course, my weekly segments on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We have the simulcast up on our page every Friday, and you can also catch it on their page. I'm joined, as always, with uh, Michael and Justin. And we also have a new outlet we're really happy about, and that the show is going to be broadcast on sci-fi.radio. And so anybody that wants to check that out, you can definitely go there. And in addition to our show, they have plenty of other shows that are streaming of the sci-fi and pop culture variety. There are uh, stories, entertainment, and more, and that is a fantastic place to go. So starting off, gentlemen, we've had a deep dive at the box office last weekend, even though it was on a pay-per-view basis on Disney+. Plus. Black Widow set a pandemic box office record, did exceptionally well, and uh, really got people excited for the box office, uh, as did Fast 9 uh, before that. However, uh, a week later, we've seen a deep dive. Apparently, the box office took an 80% drop on Friday and a 67% overall, which has dropped the movie away from the number one spot in favor of the new Space Jam. So we'll start with uh, Michael. What do you make of this? Uh, I'm a little bit concerned, I'll be honest. I mean, we do know that the pandemic is kind of... I don't want to say raging, but it's certainly increasing in, in all states right now. So, I mean, there is some fear for that but at the same time i i wouldn't have expected i was well i was hoping it wasn't going to drop off like this i mean we knew the numbers would probably be pretty good the first week again because when for people particularly people are going to see marvel movies fast five movies um no fast furious movies those kind of things they're going to be the ones that are going to fill the theater first but i think i had expected and i think the theater owners in particular had hoped that it would it would we knew, i think we expected it would dwindle off but i didn't think we, we would see the nosedive like this so uh, that's concerning in a couple of reasons one is if we want to say it's because the pandemic is increasing and people are afraid to go to the movies um that was that was a, you know that was a good reason you know a couple of months ago i'm not saying there isn't a part a part of that still but what i can, what i'm a little bit more concerned about is if some of these are are just as content to stay at home uh watch the movie on a on a paid channel um streaming or whatever or wait till it comes out on you know blu-ray or or hbo or whatever uh you know so i think i think we're in a kind of a weird space right now where um we're not back to normal things are starting to rebound a bit and things are starting to get a little bit more dicey as far as the pandemic is concerned but at the same time, I, I'm hoping this is not a trend that continues, uh, because again, what what we've already know, seen is you know the expectation was people would be ready to get out, go to the movies, um, enjoy you know being able to get out with with friends and family, and again maybe there's a lot of hesitancy still with the uh, with COVID running wild, but at the same same you know statement I would think that 
um, for those who are vaccinated or those who refuse to get vaccinated because they don't want to or don't believe it, those would be the people that would be going to the movies anyways. So yeah, I think it's just a little disappointing. I think it's too early to say specifically that this is a new norm for uh, the theaters. I certainly hope it's not, but I am I'm a little bit concerned due to the the positive news that we got last week. It seemed like things were going to start, you know, improving for the theater. Um, you know, it looked like we were at Alamo to see uh, Black Widow, and you know, we were hoping things were going to improve there. Uh, but at the same time, it's just it's a little concerning that we see it drop off as much now. To be fair, uh, worldwide, we would expect that as well anyways, because of the fact that a lot of places that are you know, are still seeing a pretty rampant um, spike in COVID. But from a U.S. box office perspective, it's a little disappointing. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, no, I think Michael brings up some really good points. I think, you know, what, what happened here is uh, all the people who were kind of the more hardcore fans who were really kind of really wanting to see because you know every movie has a lot of different audiences that go see it. it's not everybody uh is just a hardcore like marvel fan for for an mcu movie you know you have that chunk then you have a chunk that is just you know hey i want to go see a uh, blockbuster movie it doesn't really quite matter if it's marvel or not or maybe they're just like a tacit um like you know they're, they're a fan but they're not like really hardcore into it um you know then maybe you have just people who are just i just want to go see a movie um, so you have all these different buckets of, of audiences. And I think what the audience that went to the theaters for Black Widow are the, um, the hardcore fans and the other, the other audiences didn't, didn't turn out for it. And I think Michael covers a lot of different reasons as to why. Um, and I, I think with, with this particular situation, it's, it's not going to be like a, a flipping a switch, um, where, you know, you flip a, a switch and it turn everything turns back to normal. I think it's going to be like a, a gradual process where we're probably going to experience this for a while, for several months, um, where movie releases are going to be kind of like this at the box office where they're, they're kind of underperforming. Maybe they'll perform well for one week and then drop off very quickly. I think that's probably going to be fairly normal for a while. Um, until, you know, um, the pandemic is at trace amounts and, uh, it, you know, people are very comfortable going back to the theaters and they're very comfortable that theaters are not going to be the, uh, the, the vectors for, for the virus. So, um, the other thing too, that's also important is, um, at least $60 million worth, I guess is what I read. I don't know really know how they, how they quantify that, but at least $60 million of Black Widow's um, money came from the streaming services. So that's another part of it where the streaming services, I think, are eating a little bit out of um, out of the box office. But, I mean, that, that $60 million really wouldn't have made a huge difference. If you look at the numbers right now, it's kind of sitting right at $200 million, $260 million worldwide. Um, and... Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where we're going to uh, kind of have to wait and see. You know, things are going to kind of be a gradual process, uh, returning to normal. Uh, maybe by next summer, uh, we'll be fully normal. It's interesting because you mentioned the $60 million, and I don't believe that is being counted into the box office gross. Um, 
so on one hand you go okay 214 million worldwide well that apparently covers the cost of it doesn't cover all the overhead and the marketing and the bonuses and everything like that and who knows how much was also factored in with the constant delays before being able to get it into the theater on one hand though disney does seem very pleased with the box office so far so if we had 60 million last weekend um, I think what we're seeing here is the hardcore people uh, are rushing to the theater to see these new films, but I think you have the less hardcore or the rank and file are basically saying, I'm going to wait and either watch it at home or I'm going to wait and catch it at another time. Um, I know that I believe at the end of next month, Cruella is going to be available for everybody without the paywall on Disney Plus, if I read correctly. And we just had the other day that A Quiet Place 2 is now available to anyone who owns Paramount Plus, no paywall. And I think you're seeing that with a quicker turnaround. Some people are just saying, you know what, I'm happy to wait. Um, I would be very curious to know with Black Widow. I mean, yes, it's important to remember it has not opened in several foreign markets yet. And that's going to obviously boost the numbers down the line. I think it's really important to know how much is the uh, box office going to be buoyed by the fact that it is still on pay-per-view in several markets. How many people after that initial weekend uh, where the hardcore people went out and got it are saying, hey, you know what, I, I've heard good things about it. I think I will plop down the 30 bucks or so to do that. And I think that's the big key. You saw a huge drop in the box office. How much are we going to see it continue? If it if, if it gets to the point where in the next week it's not really a factor in the box office, and let's not forget, next weekend we are supposed to have Old, which is M. Night Shyamalan's thriller. We also have G.I. Joe Snake Eyes coming. And then the week after that we have uh, Jungle Cruise, which is another high-profile Disney film which was delayed multiple times even before the pandemic it saw de delays it is a big budget film and it is also going to be behind a paywall as well so it'll be interesting to see if this pattern of opening big and then dropping continues but i think you know as we pointed out theaters are at the point of saying look you know we're just happy to have any content and the studios are saying we need to get these things out start making uh, some kind of revenue on it. We'll make them up on pay-per-view, cable deals, whatever. But we also have to be mindful of paving the way for what is coming to make sure that they have space. I mean, if you look at Fast 9 right now, it's made $552 million worldwide. Yes, that's not the billion dollars that some prior films had made, but it's did $151 million, nine domestic, $400 million uh, overseas. So... It has, by all intents and purposes, turned a profit. And then you have smaller budgeted films like The Forever Purge, which has now made $41 million worldwide. And on its low budget, that is a profit. So, you know, it, it all seems to be about a, a perception. And it will be interesting to see how these other big releases that are coming up do. Now, moving on to our next topic, uh, just wanted to briefly mention Maori the Toten, Wall of the Dead is the new zombie mode available for Call of Duty Black Ops as part of the latest Season 4 update. It also comes with the Rush map. There's a paintball mode 
uh, capture the flag, various things like that. And now we have rumors that the new game is going to get its reveal in August as part of Warzone. Now, this is really interesting because August 25th through 29, Gamescom, which had originally planned an in-person slash online hybrid and then moved to an all online mode, has announced that Activision and um, EA are going to be taking part of their um, showcase. So one would think that we're going to get some more information on the new Call of Duty there. Uh, again, no, nothing on uh, Sony just yet. And then the week after that, we're uh, September 3rd through 6th, we have PAX West, which is supposed to be an in-person show. I know a couple indie publishers who are taking place in PAX Online have said they are going to be there. The big question everyone's asking is how many of the big publishers are going to show up. And in between all that, Valve came out and dropped the news on the Steam Deck. So, Justin, would you like to tell us what the Steam Deck is and uh, your thoughts on it? Yeah, so um, it's kind of like a Valve Switch, I guess. Uh, a Steam Switch, I guess is the way I would describe it. It's a portable, uh, it looks like a Switch, um, computer. It's a fully Windows computer, runs Steam, runs your Steam library. Um I think, I don't remember the pricing off the top of my head, but there's three versions, um, and it's just like a computer, it will range in, in the quality of the uh, uh, of the internals. Um, it does allow for, uh, this is just a, an important aside, it does allow for switching out the, uh, the M.2 hard drive in it so you can customize it a little bit. Um, the memory is not, you know, soldered to the board or anything like that, so... Um, I know that there are some people who are concerned about that. Um, so, um, it, uh, the, the only thing that, um, that I've seen as kind of a limitation is, is I think that the two or lower models, um, just the, the resolution of the screen and its internals, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, you know, run Doom Eternal at, uh, on 4K or anything like that. But you can, a lot of the games that are optimized for Steam, um, do seem to work pretty well on it, and uh, it's it's a pretty neat idea. I mean, I don't think it's going to be something I'll personally be purchasing, just because, you know, when I use when I use my Switch, I I've set the Switch up and its dock to to work with my computer monitor. I don't really do a lot of mobile, like taking, you know, my, uh, um, you know, I, I don't do a lot of mobile gaming, but um, but I think it's a great option for for people who do, like people who travel a lot. I mean, it's your Steam library on a portable device, uh, which is a pretty big deal. So I think it's cool. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, it does show Valve is like, you know, more serious now about, uh, um, you know, these kinds of like hardware products. Uh, they've had some, some interesting ideas in the past and some things that uh, have worked out pretty well. But uh, this kind of shows that... Um, they're they're kind of really serious about this like they, they, i'm not i don't think they're you know quite to the level where you know they're not going to replace microsoft or sony or anything like that but um i think it's it's a pretty big deal that they're putting this much effort into a into basically a new video game console and uh, michael you take please uh so a couple of things it, they did crash steam when they released the pre-orders um for those who weren't aware 
Uh, and so there's that, already a ton of uh, mark, highly marked up ones on eBay. And sold on eBay. Now, I did get my pre-order in. Uh, mine's not coming till second quarter 2022, which is fine. Um, I went with the mid-range because um, the lower end doesn't come with the NVMe drive. The mid-range does come with the NVMe drive, which is a big um, step up. Plus, it does have an a SD slot for external storage. Um, I got it because I do like the idea of being able to do a handheld with my Steam games. Um, I stream right now my Steam games to whatever devices I use, iPad, iOS, um, various other uh, types of devices um, when I'm home. But when I'm traveling or something, having access to play some of my Steam games would obviously be a big benefit for me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm really excited for it. I'm not excited enough to pre-order it and crash Steam, but um, I was able to get a pre-order in within 12 hours, I think. Um, again, they are as of yesterday, they were still taking pre-orders. I don't know if that's still the case, uh, but they are pushing it back. So for the, the most expensive model, when I checked yesterday, it was a third quarter 2022 release, so Thanksgiving timeframe, probably. Um, for the mid-range model, which I got, was second quarter, although that might not be the case anymore. Um, I didn't even look at the at the uh, smallest uh, entry model. Entry started, I think, at 399. The mid-range, I think, what I paid was 549, maybe. 529 as well. 529, and then the highest one, I think, was six something, 649. Yeah, 649, correct. Okay, so um, Valve promises that the games are going to play the same. That the biggest difference is storage for one, um, and obviously the speed of loading games. Um, if you're going with the min the lowest end. It doesn't use an NVMe drive. It uses some um, internal storage. So loading games, uh, load screens are going to be a lot slower. Uh, but as far as um, the processor and everything else is supposedly the same. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think from a for a for a handheld gaming uh, platform, which is the only way I use my switch. Honestly, I've never docked it. I do have a dock, but I'm I'm the complete opposite of Justin. I only play it as a handheld device. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm always I'm always looking for a good handheld device, particularly if I'm traveling or just sitting on the couch or sitting in the bed or whatever. And I just want something to, to play on. I'm not a mobile gamer per se. Like, I don't like to play iOS games and and that sort of thing. I've just never never could find one that I actually got into. Um, and again, I will stream like I do stream my home PC to my iPad regularly or, or my iPhone with one of the controllers attached. Um, so I do use that that way, but having a dedicated machine where I could just not have to worry about leaving my machine upstairs on and, and creating a sauna in my computer room is always a, a, a plus for me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Again, I'm not going to have mine on hand until <laughs> probably May, June, July timeframe next year. So uh, it's going to be a wait and see kind of thing. But no, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good move. It'll be interesting to see how well it does. Um, and, and I appreciate this that you know Valve is still uh, you know looking to improve the uh, PC gaming experience where they can. The early interest in it is certainly um, refreshing, but you know I think I myself see a lot of questions with that. My initial question is, I've heard that in some cases your battery may only last two hours. They said that it's a two hour upward. Uh, usage thing. I'm not a big fan of mobile gaming. I was not impressed with the Switch at all to the point where we sold our uh, system and have not regretted it at all. There's yet to be one thing released on it as an exclusive that I really feel I'm missing out on. And, you know, my attitude is I've got a PS5, I have an Xbox Series X, and I have a loaded 
PC, I don't know if I really want to spend 400 to $500 um, on a mobile system when I'm not that big on mobile gaming. And truthfully, I think I'd rather put the money in uh, toward the new PSVR headset whenever that is announced. That being said, all new technology is always more expensive as it comes out, uh, you know, if it does indeed prove itself to be a reliable and useful thing, then there's definitely something to it because by the time it comes out, people should be traveling more, air travel will be coming back. Um, you know, I did use the switch a few times on flights to and from PAX, that was helpful, but it, you know, subsequent flights didn't really hold much interest. I was content just to read and so on and so forth. Uh, but if, you know, you're in the middle of thing. What, I, what I'm kind of curious about is imagine going to a trade show and they give you a code for an early access version of a game, uh, being able to play it in the hotel room that night and such. Uh, you know, some people would say, well, just use your gaming laptop and stuff, but those are options. So it'll be interesting to see um, how it plays out. Now, next week we have San Diego Comic-Con or Comic-Con at home which is once again online. We're still hoping that the Thanksgiving weekend uh, smaller in-person gathering happens. There's been a lot of information put out. The full schedule is available on their page, including uh, the Wednesday kickoff for G.I. Joe Snake Eyes, which is gonna be great. We get to see that. And then pretty much as soon as that ends, we head over to the theater for our advanced screening of it. So uh, curious to see how that plays out. And then there are various things from the Fox animated show. AMC has got their Walking Dead um, shows. And then there's a lot more. There's been some talk about, well, why isn't this show here? Why isn't this show here? We'll save that for another time. Wait until the whole thing's done, because we all know from last year there were still things added in at the last minute. Uh, but the, the news came out over the week that Matt Shackman, who was the director of WandaVision, which has been nominated for multiple Emmy Awards, is going to follow in the footsteps of Noah Hawley, Quentin Tarantino, and S.J. Clarkson, who were all at one point attached to doing a new Star Trek film. Uh, it has two female writers who were re responsible for Godzilla vs. Kong, Tomb Raider, Captain Marvel. And so we'll start with Michael. Do you think this one's going to come to fruition, or is this going to be another one that's talked about and for whatever reason doesn't end up happening? Yeah, I'll wait for the trailer. I mean, honestly... We've heard, we hear how many new Star Trek uh, new movie news over the past couple of years with nothing to come from it. So, and I think that's pretty common in the, in the industry. They get a lot of excitement buzz around something, they're, a project they're gonna do, and then for some reason, the vision doesn't suit uh, what they're trying to accomplish, or there's internal struggles, or you know, with the box office being the way it is, maybe they're gonna say it's not, it's not right now, it's not the time to put money into a big, uh, movie produ production, maybe they're going to do a Paramount Plus um, series instead, a, a Star Trek TV series versus making it a big budget movie. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. We've heard a lot of different talks about various different Star Trek projects over the years uh, with Quentin Tarantino and, and others where, you know, they announced it, there's buzz about it, and then there's nothing, right? Um, and again, this, that's not nothing too unusual from the Star Trek universe in general. Uh, it tends to tends to be this way they kind of gauge interest uh they get you know some people to do to write it up and then for whatever reason it falls through you know contract negotiations or or you know whatever whatever the case may be so yeah i, I it's it's interesting news 
Um, it could be, it'll be exciting if we actually get see it come to fruition, but right now I, I'm not going to hold my breath for it. Okay, and before I get to you, Justin, I wanted to put off a little bit of information to put this in context. So basically, um, see if we can make uh, sense of this. In 1994, Paramount Pictures and Television was bought by the old Viacom. In 2000, Viacom bought CBS Studios and combined it in Paramount Television to become CBS Paramount Studios, which was a division of Paramount Pictures. This is where it gets complicated. In 2005, months after Star Trek Enterprise ended, and remember one of the problems was it was still on the um, UPN network, and in many markets it was preempted due to contracts with baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever. Viacom split into two companies. The old Viacom moved forward as CBS Corporation, and the new Viacom was created. The new Viacom retained ownership of Paramount Pictures and with it rights to the 10 existing Star Trek films. The new CBS Corporation retained the rights to the overall Star Trek franchise. So, you know, after 2005, Paramount Pictures produced three new Kelvin Timeline films under license from CBS as they served as the distributor. CBS started making Star Trek again with Star Trek Discovery and, of course, eventually Picard, Lower Decks, so on and so forth. Now, uh, that's where it got complicated because you had one division own the television rights, one division own the film rights, and as has been alluded to, the films were essentially hamstrung because it limited what they could do moving forward without permission from the other side, so on and so forth in case it complicated what they were trying to do. Well, uh, that has all apparently been uh, taken care of because um, what happened late last year, CBS and Viacom are back together again, known now as Viacom CBS. Uh, everything's all under one studio. And that, of course, was part of the reason why we had the movement away from calling it um, Paramount, I mean, CBS All Access to Paramount Plus because it's everything under one umbrella. So with that in mind, Justin, what do you make of this? Yeah, I think um, I think you guys both covered it really well in that um, I, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Um, we've, like, there's so many different, like there was a Tarantino project at one point. There was, you know, two or three other projects and it really seems like um, one of the sticking points um that's preventing this from happening is uh behind the behind the scenes contractual stuff with the actors so i think chris pine and uh zachary quinto both did not like the terms of their contracts and it kept getting renegotiated and so we've seen like two or three different directors fall out of this project um and then at one point there were they were going to make a you know a a sequel movie with this and Tarantino was going to make his own movie. Um, so it was very confusing. It doesn't really seem like there's much, um, direction, uh, in regards to the franchise at the moment. So, um, this is one of those, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, I, I fully just be based on the last several years. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting this project to sort of fall through again, but, um, you know, I hope it does, you know, get somewhere. I, I hope uh, they do continue these series of movies. I think it has a good cast. Uh, I've liked them so far, so uh, I'm hoping for the best. But um, uh, like you said, Gareth, it, uh, the, you know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, stuff between not just the actors and their contracts, but the companies involved as well. 
um, and they don't really have like a very central idea it, it seems like for how they want to take the franchise forward yeah it's it's all excellent points because you know there's just there's so much i'm sitting here going this doesn't make sense like for example rumors are flying wild and i know that we have the uh star trek celebration in las vegas uh coming up i'm hoping to get in there and cover a day i know we'll have mark will be there covering and people say well that's it they're just holding all the information to drop it there and my response to that is they traditionally hold this show over the summer in august and yet still have a presence at san diego comic-con so you know the, the star trek convention yes they had uh, patrick stewart come out and that's where picard was formally announced but that is not normally the place where they drop the news that's usually the place where the talent comes out talks about things maybe answers some questions about the current shows uh, as well as the past shows and what really surprised me was at first it did not appear that there was going to be a star trek presence at comic-con at home if you guys remember last year we had the panel for discovery we had the various panels although there was no footage it was essentially the cast came out and did a live reading of one of the episodes now um, I did find out that there is going to be something on the animated side. And so, you know, reading from the schedule, Star Trek Universe, Star Trek Prodigy, and Star Trek Lower Decks. So we're going to get something on the animated series. And this kind of surprised me because uh, Anson Mount has been talking away about how they've pretty much wrapped up Star Trek New Worlds with the filming. I think at the time he started posting, they were just about to wrap up the final episode we know that Picard has apparently been filming season two and three. We know that Star Trek Discovery is essentially done and ready to go. And so the question was, well, why aren't they taking part of this? Why aren't we seeing any footage? Uh, there is some speculation, well, maybe they're waiting uh, to show it at the Vegas show. Maybe they're waiting to see about Comic-Con in November. Maybe they're waiting to see about um, New York Comic-Con, which is apparently sold out and so who knows you know it could be one of those things or maybe it's just the changing face where they're saying it's not ready yet and we'll put it on i i do believe though that if this was an in-person comic-con they would be there but then you start to hear all these rumors again like this is going to be the final season for discovery we had all that talk about uh the captain giorgio and the section 13 series and this series and this series and that's all kind of gotten quiet all of a sudden. We've heard uh, Picard's only going to run three seasons. That's why they're filming the two seasons back to back. And, you know, it's essentially going to be, if Discovery does indeed end after season four, it's all make or break for Star Trek New Worlds. And then after that, is, the, is it just going to be animated? Is something else going to come? And then we come back to the movies again. Uh, is this going to be set in the J.J. Abrams universe? Is J.J. going to produce this thing? Because remember, he now has his contract with another studio. Uh, so many questions. And again, that comes down to what exactly you guys said. I'll believe it when the cameras start to uh, film. And, you know, I used to say cameras rolling, but now in the age of digital, you can't really say that. So when filming begins... So we covered a lot of stuff this week. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the week ahead holds because 
not only do we have a game developers conference, we are going to be swinging into Comic-Con at home. So there should be a lot of stuff. It'll be interesting to see if we have any um, late additions to the lineup. And uh, we'll, of course, be here covering that all. And until next week, everyone, take care, be safe, and we look forward to talking to you next week as we wrap up Comic-Con at home and uh, recap the week that was and look at the week ahead. Take care.